Ricardo goes for it from a long way back. This would be sensational if he makes it. And you know what? He has made it. Smiles will be out at 18 years and 227 days old. Max Verstappen wins a Formula One Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton wins the Portuguese Grand Prix. Hamilton has more wins than any other driver in Formula One history. And he is not done yet. Oh, yeah, it's not this weekend, it's the weekend after. <laughs> I wasn't going to speak yet, though, because I knew that he was looking it up. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I didn't intentionally. <laughs> yeah, so it's a couple weekends away, which is good, because I don't think I could do another really early morning start. Oh, no. yeah. yeah, it's 4.30 in the morning. See, that one's not, Ooh. like, I mean, at least I can get up and just go to work. Yeah. Um, Anyway, radio. Welcome back to Getting a Grip F1. I'm joined by Nathan and Michael again, and we're back to cover the Qatar GP. But what a display from Lewis Hamilton, guys. Looks like Mercedes are actually finding something they lost for the last, you know, mid part of the season. It's impressive. Well, where's it been? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's just back now. <laughs> it's like it's like Lewis wanted a challenge. He's gone, look, it's been too easy the last few years. So let's uh, let's tank our own engine for the first half of the season, and we'll turn it on into a Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they swapped engines. <laughs> yeah, Nathan, why don't you tell us what they did? Uh, you're a mechanic, aren't you? So you can uh, engineer. Sorry, you can really get in there. Uh, yeah. So an engine <laughs> does things, <laughs> and then the wheels turn. I'm glad we've got you here, mate. Uh, <laughs> no, no. So a fresher engine will have more power because there will be less wear and tear on all the mechanical parts of the engine and all that sort of stuff. So you'll have less um, combustion seepage into your um, into your crankcase and all that sort of stuff, which is uh, where a lot of power comes from and all that sort of stuff. And, and Mercedes are saying that they've uh, they didn't even use their like souped up engine for this or their newest engine. They used one of their not older ones, but God knows how many they've got in their stockpile. But they're planning to use their better one for next race at least, or their newer one at least. Yeah, yeah, they should leave it for um, the next one. And Abu Dhabi is when I would expect to see them, just because the sheer amount of pace they could get out of these next two tracks. Um, I don't know about you guys, but like we all love talking about racing on <laughs> F1 2021 on our consoles, and mm-hmm. I've had a go at the uh, Jetta. Jetta is that yeah. how we pronounce it? Track? Yeah, yeah. I actually quite like it, but it is pretty much just a drag strip with you know two corners at the end of them. Mm. The thing is, the corners that it does have, I think the the downforce dominance that uh, Red Bull has had for the previous season could probably help it out in that, as in cornering properly in those. But, yeah, Mercedes traditionally would be able to dominate here and probably will. Yeah, yeah. But um, Qatar, it it had some surprises, didn't it? Mm, definitely. Well, we'll go into the race summary. I think it was an interesting start straight off the bat with Hamilton. He got a good start, which I think we all knew he would. 
Gasly stuck with Hamilton a bit, but was passed by Alonso in the first few corners. And Verstappen, after his grid penalty, powered down the inside of the first turn and got he got up to P4 from, where did he start again? It was like P8 or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, he had a five-place grid penalty from P2, so that's, yeah, P7. Yeah, so he, he powered up the inside, got straight up to fourth, got past Gasly because uh, Alpha Tauri told him not to not to fight it. But yeah. he was already up into third place quickly, easily. And that's exactly what he needed, really, to kind of damage control. That's what everyone's saying. And there's a lot of controversy about that. But ultimately, Gasly was never going to, over the course of the race, challenge Verstappen anyway. So it's, it's one of those ones where everyone's, everyone's sort of complaining about, oh, you know, team orders across different teams, forgetting that Mercedes have done that in the past. But if you're, if you're Alpha Tauri or if you're any other team, is it like, well, don't waste your time trying to race hard, just just let him pass and you've got other people to race. It didn't end up working out for him, but ultimately <laughs> it's one of those stories that will just sort of puncture this with just an air of controversy always. Yeah, and like really, they are a Red Bull team in the end. Like they're not. They're not run by in the same way that the other Red Bull. They're owned by the exact same person. So like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my point is, like, they're not managed. Like, the teams aren't managed the same. But regardless, they're they're not going to get in the way of their sister team. Not not a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Gasly, yeah, he obviously didn't fight. Max at all went through. Max overtook Alonso on lap five, and again, it wasn't a really hard overtake down the main straight for him. Uh, and then uh, he appeared to have a little bit of front wing damage, or at least they were saying he was. I couldn't really see it on the the video they, video that they showed, but uh, it did look like it was wobbling a little bit more than it probably should have been. And I, I don't know if realistically he probably stuck it to Hamilton even if he didn't have damage but yeah it was interesting to see how the curbs on this track affected the cars and the amount of cars that did get damaged yeah and when he did pull into his pits they had a like you know that one of them 2.2 sub second pits as much as you can look at that front wing they did have a quick squeeze but didn't rectify anything didn't change the front wing or anything so off he went and I say him and Hamilton were pretty well par on each other with their lap times the whole mm. race. It was really consistent. Well, even on the straight, uh, even on the straight, their times were comparing pretty well. Mm. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, when you compare it with last week where Lewis had sort of, you know, really blew everyone out of the water with his, with his race pace, I think, you know, it showed this week. And I think the main difference really is that start, the fact that Max had to climb back through, you know, you could always talk about add a few extra you know, add 30 more laps, what could have happened. But when you look at the final classification, it shows that Max definitely still had the pace. And, you know, they didn't seem disappointed by uh, by it. They didn't seem disappointed by the pace at all. You know, normally there's a comment here, comment there about, you know, I can't I can't catch him, can't catch him. But, you know, he at times had to preserve his tyres, even though Max actually did want to try and race him. There was an order to sort of preserve his tyres and, and um, you know, ultimately it worked out. They had enough gap to actually go for that fastest lap in the end, which jumped very much ahead. But when you talk about the ultimate pace of, of, of Max, I think that goes to show that, you know, it, it sort of set up right this week and, and they were able to sort of at least keep on par and really set it up for them to not really take too many risks for this race. Yeah. Man, I hope there's no penalties. 
What all I was going to say is people are saying Max probably benefited from getting this penalty and starting on the, um, you know, the blue groove, the racing line of the track because it's less dirty. I don't know because Alonso actually got a really, really good start and stuck it to Hamilton up to that um, first corner. If Max was in that situation, I think we would have had a real race on on our hands then. Mm, yeah, and it would have been, it would have been good to see them go wheel to wheel. But to be honest, in a way, I'm kind of happy they didn't. But one of them might have DNF'd or something like that, and it would have been a very different result in the end. But Moving on, Perez, he had a pretty good start and after, you know, qualifying very badly, that's his own issue that he's had before. Um, but he powered through the field and Bottas, he kind of stuck there until Toto came on the radio and was like, come on, hurry up. And it didn't sound like he was encouraging him. It sounded like he was telling him, like, come on, get past the cars. We need you higher up. And then he started cutting through the field. But, yeah, I thought the radio message felt a little bit more... Um, I don't want to say aggressive, but it felt more forceful. It didn't found it sound as supportive from Toto. Yeah, oh, definitely, it definitely spoke to the to the very close constructors championship with Perez sort of cutting through the field at, at sort of at that point. I think it was closing in on seventh or, or or sixth, and you know they need all the points they can get to sort of keep that very narrow lead there and Perez was really surging through the field and probably at that time everyone would have thought that Perez was going to be on the podium there too so you know you're right the the radio message was very much a a team order as opposed to motivation Mm. because usually we've seen Toto get on the radio and be supportive of him and push him forward like that but that's not what that was I'm cut I'm cut with Red Bull's decision on when they pitted Perez because, honestly, he could have been on the podium five times over if they pitted him just a little bit later or and all that sort there's of thing. It's like, oh, my God. There's an underlying tone to your point there, and it's got nothing to do with the fact that you like Perez. It's to do with the fact that you hate Alonso and any mention up. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, As look, soon as it look. came up with the most overtakes and it was all three of the old fellas, I was like, Nathan's probably putting a hole in his wall right now. <laughs> look, I don't was Alonso back in the 2000s, but he's too old. You know, get him here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, he, he performed really well. I, I will give it to him like he is an athlete and a really, mm-hmm. like, a superstar at this sport and he did really well to pull in that podium but Red Bull did stuff up um, Perez's strategy hardcore you have to admit it he could have been on the podium three four times over mm, definitely I guess there was the, uh, the the worry that maybe the tire would fail at that point too after well lap 33 Bottas got a puncture. And that was the first puncture of the race, but ultimately he went on. He tried uh, carrying forward, and towards the end of the race, he ended up retiring after the damage from that. But I don't know how you guys, because it kind of had settled into a little bit of a routine at that point of the race. It was all kind of just going along. And then as soon as you see the Mercedes flying along, sparks coming off its wing and its front left uh, tyre completely fat, flat, Sorry, I thought it was really, really... Uh, surprising and it was fun in a way to see something like that happen. It was unlucky for Bottas because he was doing really well, but yeah, it spiced up the race a little bit more. Ooh, 
Yeah, it did. Seeing that car go flying into the gravel pit, I was like, oh, my God, something's happening. And it was like, <laughs> it was really good. I enjoyed it. The boulder pit. Or like those bloody pieces of gravel. <laughs> when he um, came yeah. back on track, there was stones flying out of the carcass of the tire, yeah. and I was like, "Holy shit!" They're like massive, like the stones. It's probably what caused the other punctures. We'll get to later. <laughs> a twenty laps <laughs> was, down the line, and and the thing is, like Bottas was a bit lucky because of the point of where he he got the puncture. It wasn't as it. I mean, it wasn't close to be honest to the pit lane, but it's pit lane entry, but. He, he was able to get there on, like, the second incident. <laughs> it's pretty much happened where it happened with Gasly in qualifying. But it was it was one of those ones because, I mean, you, we've had punctures throughout this season with, you know, just going well too long on the tyres, as we saw in Baku, um, and, you know, many years ago just because of the makeup of the tyres. But in this one, it really looked like it was just heavy loading on those tyres uh, on the front rear, on the front right, Sorry, front left, front left. Um, tire, um, and it was just it just absolutely hit its limits as it hit those curbs, and those curbs look quite inconspicuous because you sort of think, oh, the big the big impacts are going to be on those sausage curbs. It's going to send you flying, but in this instance, it was just the amount of sheer force on that tire. Just it just gave out. It just went past its operating levers, and and it wasn't too far past, or, or you know, it wasn't in the red zone past. Uh, where Pirelli had sort of stated that the tyres can sort of deal. And, I mean, we saw a number of occasions throughout this race where even very early on, uh, you know, it happened with Max, you know, because of the the wing that you mentioned earlier, where they said, you know, try and avoid the, the, the hard curbs because of that danger. You know, they must have had that telemetry quite early. Yeah, well, I think that with this it's not so much... Pirelli's, or not not as much Pirelli's fault as, say, Baku was, because when you watch yeah. the replay of a lot of the, of at least, so later in the race, Russell and Latifi both got flats. I think it was Russell, when he went over the curb, his front wing seemed to scrape along it, and then the uh, front left tyre uh, deflated after that. So it's not so much a wear issue, I think, as just catching shit coming off the curb. But what were you going to say, Nathan? Yeah, but I see it where was constantly saying. that front tire. Yeah, 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 but I I thought the uh, look. I don't know. I'm no um, I'm no tire engineer or you know track um, analyst or anything like that. But I thought it was meant to be the left rear that was meant to cop the hiding out of it all. And um, Pirelli said that these tires could. Well, Bottas's tyres could do 40 laps. They did 30 or 33, yeah, I sorry. Think, yeah, I think maybe with where they could, because do we know what deflated his tyre? It just went flat. Like if you watch the replay, it's he's just yeah. going around a corner. I think it was even a left-hand corner, so all the load's on the right, and it just sort of... Mm. Yeah, and, and I think that's my point maybe. The, and, again, I, I'm in the same boat. I'm not an expert in it. But where we saw the failures for the other two cars, they were it was a result of the cur- the curbs. Mm. It seemed to be a result of the curbs. And I wonder if that had something to do with Bottas's as well because maybe Pirelli's, maybe Pirelli's estimates were actually right and the actual tyres were in pretty good uh, shape, but they've been punctured by... Something, some debris coming off the turbs when they're hitting their wing curb. Sorry, when they're hitting their 
wing on it or something like that. But I'm not entirely sure. I guess we'll wait and see if Pirelli does come out with anything. Yeah, I think other... I think even if you were to be able to blame Pirelli for whatever reason, even if you were to look at it and and say, oh, maybe the pressure was wrong or something like that. I think they they were the three hardest compounds of the of the um, of the range. Yeah, that's and correct. ultimately Qatar was thrown in during the season, so it wasn't planned. Pirelli couldn't have engineered with Qatar in mind if there even if there was an issue, which I agree, I don't think necessarily it was. I think it's a quirk of the track, but. You know, Pirelli couldn't have factored it in because Qatar was a relatively late inclusion to the to the circuit or to the sorry the overall um, uh, championship this year. Hmm. Hmm. I think yeah. the only conclusion that I can come up with with how steep that um, second curb is um, off the track is the the tire sliding down and wearing it a lot quicker and getting pinched by that curb. Um, mm. Because if you're running on the edge of that curb, you're not using the whole tire. You're only using, you know, that inch or that that two inches of that point of the curb. I think that's actually a good point because when you look at the um, replays of the other punctures that occurred, there was a lot of bounce in, on the cars as they hit those curbs. So you've got a lot more. So not just side 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 load on the sidewall. You've got a whole range of different motions putting load on those tires. Um, just because you know they were sort of they were running the curbs quite hard, so I think that probably played into it. Because it wasn't blowing out the sidewall; it was actually tearing up the tread. These, yes, these tires don't actually have tread marks, but they still have rubber tread on them. Um, it was actually tearing tearing that sort of up, and it was always on that. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but it always seemed to be the outside, uh, like in a bit from the outside of the tire. On the tread as well. Mm. So, and the cars don't run on that sort of spot; they run on the inside. So, it's it's interesting. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. And I wonder if that was because of how it was coming down on the curb that it was mm. putting more pressure on that part of the tire than it normally would. Yeah, but interesting. I don't know. I'll uh, let's look into it and uh, revisit it one day. <laughs> we'll contact a, a tire engineer if that is a thing. <laughs> I'm sure we'll it get is. Him on. <laughs> To yeah. sub out for Nathan sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but so Russell got a, a puncture on lap 51. He was luckily kind of able to pull it home pretty well, uh, dive into the pit lane, get that replaced as well as his front wing because it was just dragging along. But then Latifi on lap 52, he uh, he got the exact same type of puncture, so that front left, and it, it, it meant that he had to retire causing a virtual safety car. But I don't know about you guys. I When he stopped, he kind of stopped at a Marshall point where they could kind of get him out or tried to get him out. I thought then that it should have been called pretty soon. But it was actually quite a quite yeah. a while until the It was the a lap or two after, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and that seemed very uh, strange to me. Sorry. I mean, it's, you know, it's a car live coming out of a long, relative, not long straight, but a straight, a fast corner. Mm. I mean, you very feasible for a car to have gone off there and then career into the side of the Williams. So, yeah, it was it was an interesting decision. And I, I'd assumed that they would just pulled the car out straight away. Mm. So when they cut back to it and I saw them, the marshals out there, and at that point as well when the VSC came out, the marshals were already on track. So it was quite a late call even considering yeah. the, the reason it got called, which was marshals on the track area. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Because I remember thinking as soon as it kind of parked up there, I was like, oh, it's a pretty bad angle, probably a virtual safety car at least for a lap to get it in. 
And then, like I, like you said, I was just assuming that it was gone. Nothing was going to happen. But, yeah, it, it neutralised the end of the race at least, So, which was a little uh, bit disappointing. Because Norris got a time, flat as well, didn't he? Just as he was coming into the pits or something? Yeah, I think he had a yeah. for everything. Yeah. yeah. There was a, I believe, like it wasn't like a very visible puncture or anything. They must have had some sort of telemetry data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pressure drop or something like that. So they've, you know, a good precaution considering what had happened. I think it makes sense. But the, the Latifi incident was probably a saving grace for the pensioner um, and seniors card holder Fernando Alonso in the end there because, we, I mean, he was he was a one-stopper and ultimately it, he was seemingly quite worried. Um, and I think there's something to state that Alonso's time management was obviously very good and, you know, that comes with the experience of, of being over 70 years old, according to Nathan. But, um, <laughs> but that comes with the experience. He knows how to manage his time. Are we going to get sued or something? Are <laughs> <laughs> you allowed to say this stuff anymore? In, in Nathan will get cancelled on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. I've thrown you under the proverbial bus. Look, we'll worry about this episode when these superstars start listening to us poor blokes, all right? <laughs> <laughs> but it did it did help Alonso the, the virtual safety car a lot. But it also, as we know, helped Max with the fastest lap because it did neutralise Hamilton's ability to defend the fastest lap. And you know, the Red Bull quite obviously had the opportunity to have Perez go for it as well to take it off Mercedes. But unfortunately for, for Mercedes, they didn't have Bottas to be able to do something similar. So you know, ultimately, it did. It actually had quite a strong. Uh, effect on the on the podium places. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I think Max, regardless, no matter what had happened, Hamilton wouldn't have been able to run for it after that safety car because if he pitted, Max obviously wouldn't and he'd stay out and win the race. So Max had the opportunity to pit regardless. So, and yeah, he which didn't was pretty impressive. He, well, he already had the fastest lap. It was just to prevent uh, Hamilton for going for it at all. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, but Hamilton came home. It was a pretty uh, straightforward race for him. He, I think he led from start to finish, didn't he? So easy, really. Uh, and then obviously Fernando Alonso. It's his first podium, I think, since, let's say, 2014 for that 104 one. 104 races. Yeah, and obviously Max Verstappen finishing P2 was good for his damage control. It meant that they really stayed within... Uh, within fighting distance there. So, yeah, good race, I think. I think uh, it worked out a lot better than MotoGP tracks normally do for F1. Yeah, Checo was think... robbed. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. He climbed up through that pack like three times, man. Uh, look, he, he does this every time. He puts himself in that situation every time and then climbs back up and everyone votes him driver of the day. So I've had enough of this sympathy for him. <laughs> See, I'm quite happy that Alonso got it in the end then because he got driver of the day, which is excellent. But <laughs> yeah, I quite exactly. enjoyed Alonso's radio call um, a little bit when Perez was just behind Ocon. It was that, you know, defend like a lion, which is just a, a brilliant phrase um, to use. It's just something a bit different. But, you know, Ocon wasn't able to hold Perez back. He'd done a long. bloody good Definitely. job, though. He'd done a good job fighting him back. Considering mm. his tyres at that point, too, I think he, he'd been out for a long stint. But, um, you know, it probably did have an effect. And, obviously, Ocon definitely owed Alonso one, considering Hungary. This year. I was worried that Ocon was going to DNF, driving in on those brakes as late as he was for that. But, man, it was so exciting. And I think even Crofty wasn't wasn't expecting it because 
uh, when he was commentating, it was like, oh, that was pretty easy. And then Ocon came out of nowhere and he like got really excited for it. But it was a shame that he that he couldn't hold him off anymore. But it was a good uh, a little bit more excited. for him though. Yeah, that's it. That's why they signed him for another two years. Those four corners. <laughs> yeah. And then get out of the way, Oscar Piastri is in. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now you'd be hoping that Alonso drops out, wouldn't you? Instead of Ocon, at least. Sorry, uh, my lawyers have told it. me not to comment on this <laughs> at this time. You got him texting <laughs> you right now. <laughs> but uh, so, in terms of who kind who impressed and who kind of disappointed a little bit, I think one of the biggest disappointments of the race was. Um, Gasly obviously starting P2 because of Max dropping down, his first time starting on the front row, but he ended up finishing P11 and there was radio that came out afterwards saying he just he couldn't understand why he was so slow and how Alonso was able to maintain pace as well as he did. But, yeah, I think it's really disappointing for Gasly and there's no real explanation for it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but Gasly's been really consistent throughout this season um, and he's put in some some good results, and it, you sort of think, you know, it's, I know he had a podium earlier this year, but it, it was one of those ones where you sort of think, you know, he's he deserves it considering his consistency throughout this year. But um, it was quite disappointing. I think conversely, the the other positives for me and, and overachievers is obviously Lance Stroll right up there, and, and the Ferraris again, and the Ferraris had to do a bit of work in the lead up just before Park Ferme shut um, to, to get that car ready because there was issues with, I think it was Leclerc's chassis, some damage um, from, I think, a number of races ago, and it really exacerbated this race um, in, in, in free practice and quality. So, yeah, I think, you know, when you look at those two, again, Ferrari right next to each other, super consistent, and, and they are looking more and more dangerous as this season goes on. You forget for next that, season. Stella, uh, that Stella pit stop of theirs where they doubled them up and pulled out two 2.4 and 2.2 pit stops. When's that ever considering happened? Considering the, the change to the rules, that's even more insane. Someone check their the engines. <laughs> their wheel guns. Their wheel guns are running hot. <laughs> They're bypassing and they're bloody something in the wheel guns. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, yeah, like you're saying, it's it's impressive for them because uh, both of the Ferraris finished P7 and P8, and Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris really had struggled this this race, especially, I think, uh, Daniel Ricciardo. He just couldn't really get anywhere, ended up finishing, where was it, 12th? And Norris finished P9. Obviously, he had that puncture that we were talking about. But yeah, Ferrari's just on fire, and I hope I hope they can maintain it because yeah, McLaren seems to be dropping back a whole heap now. Yeah, it's definitely killing uh, McLaren's uh, third in the constructors sort of vibe because um, they're 40 well, points currently... down just about. They're 39.5 points down, so... Mm. You know, that's a lot of points. That would be very hard to claw back into races. Look, unless, unless they're getting second and first, they're not, <laughs> they're not getting it. Yeah. That would spice up the, the driver's championship, though, if, they, if we had some McLaren 1-2s. Yeah, where did <laughs> the, we the, the other two? Well, to be honest, maybe it's a DNF for both of them. <laughs> that is true. And considering, <laughs> considering what we've seen and what we've talked about when we talk about, you know, a bit of driver shithousery, <laughs> 
You never know what this season's going to throw up if Max decides to career in the side of Lewis. We don't condone that, but it, it would make <laughs> yeah, for an interesting race. It'd make his championship run, I think, easier going into yeah. just Abu Dhabi. But another person who impressed a bit, I think, was Lance Stroll. He finished P6. And then yeah. Vettel, not quite as impressive, but P10. So not too bad for the Aston Martins. And like I was saying last week, if Vettel hadn't had his win taken off him, I think they'd be doing a lot better than they currently, than is currently reflected in their constructor standings at least. Yeah, we don't really talk about, um, or we haven't this year talked about Aston Martin this year because they've neither been here nor there. Especially after last really, year. Um, after, the, after the summer break for them. Um, Apart from Vettel's win and, I think this and is, Azerbaijan. I think, that, yeah, this is the best um, uh, placing for both drivers in terms of if you look at both of them since Monaco, where they were fifth and eighth, I think, um, at the end. So, you know, they haven't been consistent in terms of both drivers. You'll have one, you know, Vettel do well and the other not. And, you know, this has been relatively good by their standards, I'd say. Definitely not not Ferrari levels of consistency, but, um, you know, definitely up there. And I think, you look, it's it's disappointing for Vettel because he's he's a driver that we all know wants to be in a car that has the capability of winning and, and a big part of this program is to, is to build that um, program for them, for Aston Martin and sort of be a force the very least to win the midfield battle, but this season just hasn't been there for them. And they had such promise considering the racing point slash Mercedes from the season before card that they had, which won't work for them next year. But um, yeah, look, it'd be interesting to see. And I think, you know, Lance copped a lot of stick when he started his career because, you know, he's a, he was a pay driver, but he's shown this year and last year that he does deserve to be there and he, he can be quite consistent and he can be quite good at time management too. Um, with the exception of a specific race, but that wasn't his fault, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I don't it. think um, he gets a lot of credit for how good he he actually is, um, old Strolly boy, because he was Although pretty good year, in Williams as well. More, he was, yeah. This year he's been getting much more positive attention, I think, as compared to last year because of the results from last year and, and relative consistency this year. And then... And other drivers, I think that we've that have performed pretty well. Obviously, Alonso, but Ocon he finished P five in the end. So that's a good haul of points for both of them. That's fifteen and ten. So, yeah, good to see them kind of battling out a bit more. I think that they need that. Sonoda, horribly disappointing once again. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> P fourteen for Sonoda, even behind Gasly and. Uh, no, sorry, it's not P14, was it? 13, was it? 13, 13. Yeah, I was yeah. looking at the construction stand, uh, constructor's standings. Uh, yeah, so P13, so that's a bit disappointing Terrible. for him. But, yeah. <laughs> I will uh, pile on Sonoda, <laughs> and you know it. <laughs> but, no, uh, look, I, I, look if, I, if, I'd be on, if I'm going to be honest, look, Sonoda has been inconsistent. This hasn't been a good race for him, but obviously I don't mean that... He's definitely not been terrible this season. No, especially um, for he, a rookie. Yeah, and I think ultimately, yeah, where we can be critical is a, a, a car like AlphaTauri, especially with Gasly's results. They need, especially to be sort of higher up that midfield battle, they need consistency amongst both drivers. And Sonoda, I think the, te- the test will be next season um, as he 
he's now more used to the track, more used to the car because he spent a lot. I mean, it's a, I know it's a new car, but he'll have spent a lot of time in the sim and understands the work um, that that sort of needs to go into compete in these Grand Prix. So, you know, so next season will be the test, and I think they need him to perform. And if they want any chance of being able to compete against, you know, your your McLarens and and your um, uh, Aston Martins and Alpines, because that midfield battle is really heating up and. You know, Ferrari look like they could be up the top there, if not knocking on the door of the top two potentially with their with their drivers. So it'll be interesting to see, and they need form. Oh, sorry, I thought you I thought you were going to keep going. Then I, I saw you taking things, so I just sat back and was waiting for you to continue. <laughs> no, that was my yeah. Sonoda ran over. <laughs> I agree, but the thing with Sonoda, I think you have to keep in mind too that he's still. Generally, like outperforming people who have been on the the field longer than him, obviously he's got a better car than them. But there have been flashes of that, and the other rookies on the field, so Schumacher, he he still again it's performance based, but he's he's still had some really good moves. He's been able to pull off some really good stuff in the races. I would argue more than Schumacher has been able to. Schumacher's had a few bright moments whilst defending other cars or getting close to some cars, but Sonoda's had had more consistency from there. Well, so. how about his defending in Turkey against Hamilton? So, yeah. Like a first-year rookie, not even gone through a season, defending against someone that's been in since 2006, has seven world titles. Like... And and when Very he Hamilton. did that too, he forced Hamilton to have to use a completely strange or a generally not used overtake. So it was around the outside when generally you wouldn't have done that going into that corner. So he made so a it almost change. reminded me a bit of uh, Hamilton on Alonso when Hamilton first came in to mm. Formula One. Very different scenario, I, I, I know. But um, you know the fact. Are you that saying sort of... that Yuki Tsunoda is going to be an eight-time world champion now? <laughs> yes, yes, I've, I've said it. I'm being critical to him because I secretly love him and I want him to do well. Tough love. <laughs> uh, but uh, who, was there anyone else you guys really thought stood out to you uh, in terms of this race? Whilst you look at the results real quick. <laughs> Just triple checking it. There, look, there wasn't really, it was largely sort of, you know, business as usual for the for the majority. I think, I think it, it we'd, We'd be remiss not mentioning Perez's, and it's more in the context of the last, you know, half of the season in general. But he's become more consistent. There was a bit start of the season where it was a little bit up and down from time to time. He still plays really well, but in that car, you want a bit more consistency. And I think, you know, he's really started to sort of hit that groove. And we know um, from reports, obviously none of us have driven the Red Bull, but it is notoriously tricky to drive and tricky to get used to. Um, and it's something that. Um, Perez seems to have picked up really well. And I think, especially considering the context of the previous, you know, second drivers to to Verstappen since Ricardo, no one's really been able to sort of fill that void and get some consistency. So, I, you know, pretty impressed with him at the talent of this season. And it's helped Red Bull a lot in this championship fight, both Max and Red Bull, because it's no longer Max versus two Mercedes it's, it's become sometimes two Red Bulls against the Mercedes. So it's really changed up and added a new element, which is something that, you know, Lewis has had for the last few years and Max hasn't. Yeah, because um, Perez has really taken the fight to Bottas at the minute and Bottas has been in that car five years. So, and Perez half a season, nah, nearly a season now. So, you know, 
he is doing well. He's been a second driver, and you know what? Um, he could be up there in the next couple of years if Red Bull bring a car like they've got this season following on. Hmm. But we've still got the next two races to go. I'm, mm, I, I don't think I can really call going into the next two where it's going to go. I still have a feeling that Verstappen has the confidence. I don't think the last two races has affected him too much going into this. You, you were talking about before Michael at the end of the race, they didn't seem to be too angry. They didn't seem to be too upset about anything. I thought it kind of crashed out then everything froze on my screen. But they haven't been too too upset with the results and they've been able to damage control really well considering the pace of the Mercedes. So I think it's all still up in the air right now and I don't think that either of them is 100% to win it. And I think Saudi is a, a big variable as well because it is a new track. And, mm. and, again, we know they've got sims, but it's a very different prospect, very quick track. And tell you what, that's potentially safety car galore that that, that mm. track and we'll preview it obviously in a couple of weeks but Abu Dhabi the, the changes to the track I think are going to be interesting um, because mm. you you've effectively got that long straight which used to go into the uh, chicane, uh, the chicane um, which is no longer there you're straight into the into the corner and you know does that potentially benefit Lewis more than Max because definitely you know, Max coming out of those the old corner setup would be much better, and you you have to say based on this season, it's definitely going to suit Lewis. Could be the corner that decides it. But having said that, the rest of the track does have a lot of harder corners as well, which could, which again, may be more of a Red Bull thing. But th- that's the thing, I think, to your point, that very hard to pick it, um, especially with how close the two have been. And this race specifically, it's not like Max was and the Red Bull was too far off the pace this 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 week. So. I think, you know, Saudi could be an interesting track, but I think it probably will go down to the wire. Um, and Abu Dhabi's just, it's going to be a hot race, put it that way. No, oh, definitely. I, on that too, I think Mercedes is definitely going to have the pace going into these two, uh, these two next two races. And we are talking about before, because Mercedes has the engine or for Lewis Hamilton up their sleeve. A lot of people are kind of questioning whether you should be able to stockpile as many engines as Mercedes has when generally an engine replacement is for this engine is worn too much or it's not performing as good as it should. But uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, guys, being able to stockpile a few different engines? I think they had two or three of them total on top of their their original allocation. So it's it's definitely going to give them a benefit going to the next two races. Yeah, well, look at Red Bull. They've only, like, yes, they've had to take penalties to bring in one engine. I can only recall one penalty for um, Verstappen and one weekend, which was Sochi, and one set of penalties for Perez, which was the race after Hungary, I think. Mm. I can't remember. Um, but that's the point, isn't but, it? But yeah, they've, the, they've only used three, uh, respectively, three engines because the other two were brand new, uh, like one of Max's and one of Perez's were brand new but taken out of the race because of high crash speed crashes. Hmm. Um, and it's a bit ridiculous that, you know, um, Mercedes can stockpile five, six engines and use them once. Um, to get back up the field and score them points and then, you know, 
keep them till the end of the season. And then just save it for later. And that, yeah, that's it is the, ridiculous. I think that's the issue. The the issue with it is that no other team, including Red Bull, can do that. Mm. Like the the Mercedes and given Lewis Hamilton is is able to cut through the field like that. We've seen it time and time again, and we saw it with Bottas. It's not just Hamilton that can do it. We saw it with Bottas. It was at Monza that he absolutely powered through in a new engine. And yeah. we don't see that to that type of efficiency in any other team. I know uh, Perez has done it before, but he still hasn't been able to get close to winning the race from it in terms of the Red Bull. So, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult position because it does give them a significant benefit. I can understand where, uh, like, you can keep getting new engines, but they should have, with penalties, but they should have a three-engine limit, no penalty, and then a max of six, five, six engines, the last two, three with penalty. And that's how you rectify that. And I think, you know, and I know that this isn't the point that you and Brandon are making, you know, and, and I'm certainly not making this point, but we can't. Blame Mercedes for playing within the rules as they exist, um, you know, because that is currently the ruling. It is, uh, yes. and it's it, it's the FIA who who have to answer for this. It's it's the the fact that they haven't thought of this scenario. I'm sure, it's quite a rare scenario. You wouldn't think that you know the top top running teams would have such um, engine inconsistencies and and, and issues um, compared to their rival. But it, yeah, it's one of those ones where you know it, there's so much confusion when when Bottas came out with that forget which race it was, but then they were like, well, it's only a five-place grid penalty. And it's like that seemed a bit backward just as a from the penalty perspective that that changes only five grid places compared to your first one, which is a back of grid. So it's it just seems a bit whacked. And I, I just feel like it's one of those rules that they wrote down once, never thought about it, never considered the repercussions of, of making a ruling like this. And this is the first time they've had to deal with it. I can't remember any other time where it's been this bad, but... It is. It's a funny one because we're talking about Mercedes and the and the arguably the best driver of all time um, in this instance who is benefiting from it. And normally you think it would be some of the backmarkers or or um, the cars which are, are largely inconsistent. But um, yeah, it, look, it's an odd one. And you know, and you're right to the point where Perez, um, you know, he's done it a couple of times. Bottas has done it a couple of times. But quite literally, Lewis is the only one that you would bank on if you put him twentieth. Yeah, he could still win the thing. Um, it's the only driver I can think of in recent memory where I'd make that that um, that that particular determination. So, you know, even Max has has climbed back from back of grid and hasn't necessarily challenged every time he's done it. But it seems like honestly, you could put Lewis last, reverse the whole grid, and he'd still win the whole thing. Uh, yeah, big time. Like, yeah. I- um, Max got lucky in Sochi when he come from last place all the way to um, uh, all the way to third or whatever it was, uh, uh, third or second, I believe. But yeah, it needs to be changed. The rules need to be changed. You shouldn't get a um, advantage like that because it is a massive advantage that coming yeah. to the closing of the season. Like you could literally just after a point. Just change your tires. I'm sorry, not tires. Change your engine literally consistently, and just and just rely on that and have a nice new engine every time. So it's just it's 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 a real it's a real conundrum, and and it, you know I guess it speaks to the whole. I, I mean, Mike, it just speaks to the whole idea of the the costs in Formula One and, and the amount of money that they're they're spending that Mercedes can sort of quite haphazardly 
just deal with the engines. But ultimately, it's not like they need these ones next year or, or, or variants of and to, to reuse half the parts. So, yeah, it's an it's a, it's an interesting scenario. Yeah, and especially with the um, FIA and Formula One's plan to reduce the use of precious metals and reduce the um, waste and everything, um, it is very wasteful. Yeah, this sustainability push, which is great, you know, it's a really good um, thing that Formula One's doing, and obviously they've they've got that sort of platform, um, which which sort of gives them the ability to do this. But um, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sell, send a, a great look overall as to you know the amount of engines they're going through and they're trucking all these different things halfway around the world and they've just changed the logo to being green and showcasing the sustainability so it's definitely something they need to um they need to sort of look at but you know again not even just the optics of it as you say it's it's all it's about the competition of it and um you know there's no doubting that it is massively benefited mercedes in its entirety and, and no one else Yes. Oh, what are you gonna do, though? Like, honestly, we're not. Uh, in what are we? <laughs> so, what? What? What are we gonna do right now? Considering we've exhausted this topic, <laughs> and uh, for those at home, Brandon has walked away from the screen, which is why you can only hear the two of us. <laughs> well, what we're gonna do is we're going to uh, reach out to our listeners out there and contact us on your. Um, well, co- not on your, but contact us on our social medias and tell us what you think about the Mercedes um, engine saga that they've got going on at the rear of this season and um, what you think would rectify this and we can throw a petition together and send it to the FIA. All as fans and, uh, also, of uh, F1. Also reach out and uh, tell us your thoughts on Fernando Alonso's upcoming age pension and uh also to donate to nathan's legal fund <laughs> on our gofundme <laughs> i'm creating it right now because the lawyers have just contacted me <laughs> yeah, uh, i think the question is would you be charged would they sue you in uh in australia or they sue you in spain oh yeah i don't know what are what are the legalities between our two countries I guess Which I'm about to find out, aren't I? <laughs> you're, the, you're the test case. Which is going to give him the most defamation payout? He might see you in both. He's got the money for it. But let's hope that doesn't happen. I do quite like. Um, I did quite like uh, Alonso's helmet because it's that hark back to the old Renault. So it was a cool little helmet. I just love seeing. Sorry, it. fellas, the house is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm sure I interrupted something. Where were we? Uh, oh, we're just talking smoke. Yeah, really. we were, and we're just about to wrap up. <laughs> okay. Uh, Nathan, why don't you do the outro? Yeah, yeah. So um, thank you for joining Getting Grip F1. We have been uh, – I stuffed that up. <laughs> <laughs> you forget my name, mate. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Thank you for joining us with this episode of Getting a Grip F1. Uh, As discussed before, contact us on um, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter to tell us what you think about this Mercedes engine saga that's going on at the end of this season and uh, we'll catch you in the paddock.